Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Last time on Man of the Crowd. Growing up with those two guys, Jim, you always knew he was going to be a great athlete. And you always knew John was going to be a coach. Sorry I wasn't a better player, coach. <laughs> I apologize. I did my best. I swear to God, I did my best. Why would you have battled more with Jim? Because I don't think Jim might have been as good a listener as John. I find that's what makes John such a good partner, is that he lets me bitch. Never, I'm telling you, I'm looking you right in the eye, never did he ever show any kind of feeling of remorse or resentment or why not me. It brings tears to my eyes thinking about it because they both traveled a different path. And John traveled a long path, you might say in Jim's shadow. My thing was, I gotta hold up my end of the bargain. I mean, look how great he's doing. I just need to hold up my end of the bargain and do something here. And they win the game and, and, and they're going to the Super Bowl and it's like, yeah, my brother's going to the Super Bowl. And then it hits you, it's like, I need, we gotta go to the Super Bowl. I can't, he can't go to the Super Bowl before we go to the Super Bowl. We have to win this game. From the Baltimore Ravens, this is Man of the Crowd, a multi-episode podcast that pulls back the curtain on Ravens figures' personal lives. This season, the Harbaugh family. I'm Sarah Ellison. Who could possibly have it better than us? Nobody! We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Because you are fighters, and that's what you are going to be. Today, tomorrow, you are going to fight. Just how hard was it for the Harbaugh family to have brothers face off in Super Bowl 47? Well, it was, and still is, so torturous that... I kind of wish it hadn't been both Ravens and 49ers in that game. Yeah, wouldn't it have been nice if they went to Super Bowls at yeah. different years? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that have been nice? That's how bad it was. Jackie's sons made Super Bowl history, but eh, she'd pass on it if it meant that they could advance in different years. Well, we already know what happened during the game, right? More than 100 million people saw it play out on a world stage. But what you don't know is what was happening with the family behind the scenes. Until now. We'll get a blow-by-blow from the emotionally draining event from the entire family in this episode. I asked Jack and Jackie to watch some of the key highlights from that controversial game with me for this podcast, and they were kind and promptly agreed. So I really didn't think much more of my request until this moment right here. First time I've ever seen any part of that game 
on video. Really? I've never watched the game. You've never gone back. I have never. I have never seen that piece of tape that you just that you've just played. Wow. And I have no desire to ever see it. You just want it to be gone. No, I don't. I, I don't want it to be gone. I want to. But I don't want to. I don't want to relive it. I don't want to. Oh. The experience was great. I wouldn't trade any part of it. But I don't ever need to to revisit it in any fashion of that of watching it. I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised. I mean, it makes sense that Jack didn't want to relive all that, or that Jackie didn't want it to happen at all. I guess I was just so taken aback because they were so willing to watch it with me. Turns out, neither Jackie nor Joni had watched the game again either. Not since they witnessed it live from their Superdome seats. Now, before we get into Jack and Jackie's raw reactions to key highlights from the game, I want to quickly note that I interviewed them separately. So the three of us didn't all watch the game together, even though it may sound like that sometimes because of the way I edit the clips together. There was one point when Jack was in the room while Jackie and I were watching the game, but she kept looking over her shoulder back at him to verify information. Then this cute exchange happened. The biggest game is being played. And that was in Ann Arbor, Ann Arbor against Ohio State. Yeah. You know, so, right? I'm getting out of here. It's <laughs> not good for you to be looking at me. <laughs> Why? What? Should I not have told no, that? No, I, I, I'm a distraction for you. You were doing, you were doing much better without before I got in here. How do you know? I just know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It just shows what a normal family and couple they are. But knowing the emotional toll that the game had on mom and dad, I appreciate them being willing to relive the roller coaster of feelings with me. And that roller coaster actually began the year before the Super Bowl. Both John and Jim had suffered bitter losses in their separate conference championship games during the 2011 season. And Jim is still upset with how that ended for him and the 49ers. Your your mom told me that she kind of wished that you guys both made the Super Bowl, but made it in different years. Do you ever wish the same thing that your Super Bowl experience was against somebody that wasn't your brother? Or are you happy with the way it turned out? Yeah, there's there's other years I wish we would have made it too. Um, I agree with my. Uh, I, we could have. I just you really want to delve back into that. You really want to go back into the past. 2011, I thought we really were there. We uh, we had a call that went against us late in the game. Uh, yeah. Giants fumbled on their own 15-20 yard line and clear fumble that we recovered. And with two minutes left to go in the game, uh, that was ruled that the forward progress had been stopped. And I, I will put that, that play on tape with anybody and call that maybe the worst worst call I've ever seen in the history of football. I know the worst call that's ever, ever affected a team that, that I was a part of. I'll tell you what. The brothers can't seem to do anything alone because John and the Ravens also lost their conference championship game in 2011. And it was just as bitter of a defeat, but there was no controversy with the refs. Instead, it looked like the Ravens were about to beat the New England Patriots when they were down by just three points and in striking distance with the clock winding down. A touchdown would win it, or at the very least, a field goal would tie it and send it into overtime. But then, two of the most gut-wrenching plays in Ravens history 
happens. 31 oh. seconds left in the AFC Championship. Flacco fires, end zone, caught! Right in his hands, and Sterling Moore stripped it away before Lee Evans could get his second foot down in the end zone. Billy Cundiff will try to tie this game with 15 seconds left. A 32-yard field goal attempt from the right hash mark. Ball down. Kick is... He hooked it! No good! Oh, my God. No good! He missed it! The Patriots are going to be AFC champions. I wish I could share with you the words that could even begin to convey the disbelief and the disappointment on the Ravens players as they make the long jog to their locker room. As heartbreaking as that moment was, Ravens linebacker Ray Lewis pulled his teammates together for a huddle in the locker room. I'm trying to tell y'all, God has never made a mistake. He's never made one mistake. All right, so it ain't about one play, it ain't about nothing. This year, we did what we were supposed to do. We fought as a team. We fought as a team. There will be one Super Bowl champ crown at the end of this year. That's it. So the way we feel, somebody gonna feel like that tomorrow, and somebody gonna feel like that in a week. That's a fact. And the fact is, we got to come back and go to work to make sure we finish it next time. That's all we got to do. Joe, you played your ass off. You hear me, man? I'm telling you, man, don't ever, don't ever drop your head when it comes to a loss, dog, because there's too much pain outside of this that people really going through. This right here makes us stronger. Let's understand who we are as a team. Let's understand who we are as men. And let's make somebody smile when we walk out of here. We got an opportunity to keep going, man. Let's be strong as a team, man. Let's be who we are. Ravens on three. One, two, three, Ravens! Talk about keeping perspective. And John remembers Lewis's speech. And then afterwards, he headed to the team buses back to the airport with his daughter, Allison, who was 11 at the time. I can remember losing in New England, and, and, and she was there. And uh, she, whenever she's there, she rides back on the bus with me to the airport mm. on the road games. And Ingrid, Ingrid sits next to Dick Cass, you know, which is in the couple seats there on the bus. And Allison, you know, she lets Allison sit with me. And, and I can remember the same thing. I mean, her head might it's like a 45-minute ride back to Providence, and she fell asleep, you know, on my shoulder. And, uh, and I just, just, just thinking, you know what, everything's okay. And then the next year, you know, the, the, the days are long, but the years are short mm -hmm. here. And, you know, 364 days or whatever later, we're back right back in the same thing. The most talented writers in Hollywood couldn't have put together a better scene. Despite injuries to superstars Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs, and despite an infamous mutiny meeting in which John said the players attacked him that season, and despite losing four of their last five games of the regular season, the Ravens advanced all the way back to the AFC Championship game. And of course it was against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Hollywood would have it no other way than to showcase the time-honored rematch against the proverbial villains. And then, of course, John got extra motivation from his brother when he didn't even know he was giving it. We heard last week that John was watching the end of the 49ers game on the big boards during the pregame with Coach Belichick. And then they both saw Jim win and earn a spot in the Super Bowl. Yeah, my brother's going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then it hits you, it's like, 
I need, we got to go to the Super Bowl. I can't, he can't go to the Super Bowl before we go to the Super Bowl. Right. We have to win this game. It just right. hits you like we have to win this game, you know, just from a, a life standpoint for the next, you know, 50 years of our lives. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then when it happened, I mean, you know, even when it happened, it was just surreal. It was kind of like, you know, this, is this even really happening? This is never going to happen again. Oh, it was happening all right. The Ravens had actually avenged their AFC championship loss to the Patriots from the year before. Brady from the shotgun on second down. Steps up, fires to the end zone, and it is intercepted! Intercepted by Kerry Williams! And the Hayes in the barn! And the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl! It's John Harbaugh, it's Jim Harbaugh! It's a family affair for the Ravens and the 49ers at the Superdome in New York! It's no easy task to get there. For that to coincide. And then you got to think, was it the year before? This is John and Jim's sister, Joni. That they both didn't get there? Right. I mean, it was just crazy. So, you know, that's to think about the year before they were both in the same position to get there and didn't. So you get two years in a row where they're at the ever absolute pinnacle of their sport together. It's pretty neat. Meanwhile, Mom and Dad were at home watching everything in the conference championships unfold. First, they were elated to see Jim and the 49ers get redemption in the NFC Championship with a 28-24 win over the Falcons. And then to see John join him there? Well, they were in shock. It was unbelievable. I mean, just stunned. You know, just stunned. Yeah. So the next year was redemption for both of them. I guess. Yeah. You know, if you want to, if you want to say fate played into that, I guess. And then all the phone calls started coming in. You know, all yeah. the phone calls from the the media and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And we had decided that we weren't going to get into all of that before the. Yeah. Before. You had one joint press conference. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And we did a radio. Uh, thing out of Indiana, out of Bloomington, because yeah. we were down there that weekend. Yeah. And that's all, and John asked us to come earlier to the game, um, you know, to like on Tuesday, because I think we could help them both out with different things that they had to do so I guess we did some of those for them because after Wednesday, the team's locked down. Right. Um, you know, so that kind of kept your mind focused. And then all the families coming in and everybody want their ticket. Where do we get our ticket? So we kind of got to be in the So we handled that, you <laughs> yeah. know, because they're all excited too. Sure. And, and Everything and and it and it worked out good. So we could and, and the best part was my dad being there. So yeah, you know that was with his half Ravens, half Forty yeah. ers Was it a hat or a jersey? It was a hat. a hat. Someone had made it for him. That's great. We have some amazing pictures on the Man of the Crowd website of Grandpa Joseph Petey at the Super Bowl with his half Ravens, half Forty ers ball cap. Grandpa Joe was born on the island of Sicily on the southern tip of Italy and came to the United States with his parents in 1920 at the age of five years old. He became a mechanic and then owned and operated the Sapiti Nursery for 35 years. He died one year after seeing his grandsons compete in the Super Bowl at the age of 98. 
So sharing that moment with her father was very special to Jackie. Yeah, so he got to see that. and Good moment for you to share with him. Yeah, it was, it was a good, good, good family moment. It really, it really was. Um, may never happen again, yeah. you know. It could, maybe a hundred years from yeah. now, maybe. <laughs> yeah. so. The media got to meet Grandpa Joe in New Orleans at a joint press conference before the game. There was a press conference between John and Jim, and then another with Jack and Jackie. You're going to ask us how we feel on this historic event. Jackie? Who has it better than us? Nobody! In the coach's Super Bowl presser, which, by the way, is not normal, head coaches on opposing teams usually have separate individual time with the media, but for obvious reasons, John and Jim were asked to address the reporters together. Well, in that media session, the brothers' unique personalities were on display. John showed up in a suit and tie, looking all polished, and Jim showed up in his regular practice garb of khaki pants and sneakers, and a black 49er sweatshirt with a matching hat. And then, one was much more chatty than the other two. Hi, how you guys doing? Huh? Well, welcome, and uh, thanks for coming. And just want to start by saying what an honor it is for uh, both of us to be here with each other, no question about it. John went on with a kind and gracious speech, thanking family members for coming to support him and thanking the media for being there too. He talked about the teams and how hard they worked to get there, and once he finished, the room fell silent. People were waiting for Jim to give his introductory words, but instead, all he said was, I concur. How did you see John and Jim approach that week differently? Uh, I think John was ready to shake hands and slap backs a little bit more than Jim was. This is John Eisenberg, columnist for the Baltimore Ravens. Just looking at that, you know, I think I think it was it was obviously so awkward, just such an awkward situation, really, when you get down to it. It was awkward between the two of them. How are we going to do this, you know? And so I think John was like the press conference on Friday morning. John was more engaging than Jim was. Jim was just sort of, you know, get me out of here. Jim was, get me out of this. I, I don't want to be here. I, I can't I, I can't deal with this. And, you know, John was going to have some fun with it. Yeah. You know, and, and honestly, if I may psychoanalyze, I think that's a little bit the difference of Jim is a guy who's been in the limelight more. And, and you know, and John's a pro and, and he's been through the wars and he's seen everything. But, you know, you're in the Super Bowl. He, he's not going to go up there and laugh off the Friday press conference. He's right. not He's not going to do it. So that gets back to what I said before. You know, he's just more, a little more, you know, polished and, and so understanding of circumstances. Right. The brothers' approaches didn't change once the game rolled around two days later. John tried to go talk to Jim during the pregame warm-ups at the Superdome, but the younger sibling just walked away. So John decided to chat with the 49ers' David Akers instead, but Jim didn't want him talking to his kicker either. So finally, Jim relented, and they chatted before the game. Uh, it was a lot like that. It really wasn't much different. 
Okay, two questions about that. Number one, what made you laugh at the handshake? Because I—that's what, what you saw there in a in a capsule is what those what those things are all about. The, the worst thing in my judgment in all professional football mm-hmm. and college football that I would do away with in a heartbeat if I if I were in a position to do so, and that's handshakes. Mm. Handshakes. To come out before the game, and I mean, your adrenaline is pumping, and you want to kick the snot out of this guy, and there's nothing about him you like. You don't like, you don't like anything. You don't like the way he combs his hair. You don't like the way, you don't like anything about him. And you got to stick your hand and say, Coach, good luck. Yeah. (laughs) Did you hear him grit his teeth? He was doing it under a forced smile. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to have a smile on your face. And it yeah. press, cameras are there. Right. I mean, you got to. You got to. And then the, the game is over and you lose. Mm. And you walk across the field and you have to coach. And you're the winning coach. It's harder for the winning coach than it is a losing coach. Huh. Coach, your guys really played hard, did they? And why in the hell didn't we win? <laughs> yeah. That's what you want to say, but you can't. Well, thanks, Coach, and good luck. Good luck. Right. And you are moving. You don't want to. You, pro- you don't want a prolonged discussion here. Right. You did your you did your due diligence, and now it's time to go on. What it should be in pro football before the game. He's down at that end. You're at this end. You recognize him. The hands. There is no handshake. It should be allowed in the in the game of football, in my judgment. Cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> all right. In all honesty, Jim probably wouldn't hate doing away with it either. He's created a stir on more than one occasion with his handshake exchanges. There's the one with Pete Carroll when Jim was accused of running up the score with the Stanford Cardinal beating USC 55-21. to When the two coaches met in the middle of the field, Jim asked, What's your deal? That clip went viral, along with another one when Jim was overjoyed with the San Francisco 49ers win over the Detroit Lions. That enthusiasm led him to aggressively slap then-head coach Jim Schwartz on the back during the post-game handshake. Schwartz didn't like it too much and ran after Harbaugh all the way down the field, and they were chirping back and forth. It led to a little scrum with players and security getting involved. Well, Jim and John's handshake after the Super Bowl game was also eventful. But I'll get to that later. So in that clip, John likened the Super Bowl to this high school, Pioneer High School um, all-star game. Can you really, I mean, can you, is it really the same? When they played in their first Pop Warner football game, mm-hmm. when they were in the fifth grade, we had the same emotion that we had when they were they played against each other in the, in the Super Bowl. Wow. And it, it, that was, whether it was baseball or basketball or hockey or football, whatever it was. I mean, when you got to the game as a parent, I mean, you, those are your kids. Yeah. And people can't grasp that. How much... It is difficult. I'll how, admit. <laughs> okay, they say, well, how... How you... You must have felt at the Super Bowl. No different than I did in the fifth grade <laughs> when they were playing hockey. Don't feel any different. You're still conflicted a little bit. You're conflicted when they're playing each other. You want them both to play well. You're trying to figure out well, who wins, how are we going to handle this at the end because they're right. going to be in the back seat. You know, they're not going to talk. Don't get, don't, you're touching me in yeah. the back seat. I mean, all the different things that go on. Did you notice when they shook hands, Jim was trying to walk away and John grabs at him and says, Hey, I love you. Yeah. Is that, t- is that, is John the expressive one? Yeah, yeah, probably. I'm probably in that sense. Well, I think what he was saying is, uh, 
maybe he, what he was saying is no matter what happens in this game, because who knew what was going to happen, right. right? Right. I love you. Right. You know, and Jim was probably focused already on the game. Right. He Maybe. was zoned in. Yeah. 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 Not that, because when they both turn, it's like, that's their game face. Speaking of game faces, Jackie had a pretty serious game face herself. Just before the game, TV cameras cut to a quick shot of Jack and Jackie sitting in their seats. The difference in mom and dad's facial and body language is night and day. Jack is sitting up in his seat and beaming with this huge smile. And right next to him is Jackie, slumped over in her chair, and she looks like she's just sick to her stomach. Next one, this one's a bit shorter. For the game, Jack and Jackie Harbaugh, mom uh, and dad and mom watch. I have to pause this. You have a big grin on your face before the game starts, and Jackie looks absolutely <laughs> miserable like this. She wants to get out. So here's my question to you, and I'm going to ask her of this too. You know who that is having a beer? Who is that? Chris Christie's wife. Oh. You guys are tight with Chris Christie? No, we weren't. <laughs> no. We didn't know who they were. You didn't even know. Oh, Eric Holder right down there. Oh, yeah. I just noticed that. Yeah. We got 49ers right there. And t-shirt. Okay, but here's my question. She looks so miserable. Do you think it's possible that she's the one that took out the lights at halftime? <laughs> <laughs> she's been accused of that. She has been accused. Okay. Can you can you uh, vouch that it wasn't her? I no, I can't. Okay. And, and I can say that before the game started, she constantly thought that the game should end in a tie. Right. And she wanted it to end in a tie. So taking the lights out and the game would have had to been suspended or it would have been as close to a tie as you could have, could have, could have gotten. They right. couldn't have declared a winner, could they? So it might have been. Maybe maybe the conspiracy maybe, has yeah. been uncovered. There we go. But, I mean, Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs, they have lots of conspiracy theories. They never thought about this one. What are you laughing at? Why are you no so idea. happy? Were you not nervous? I, I have no idea. In the game, all you can think about is something like this where a play took place, there was a completion, right? and you just scratched your head, and there would be an appearance of favoring one over the uh, other. Oh, yeah. See, during the game, I just remember just almost being comatose. I mean, didn't want to show it. Poker face. Poker face. No smile, no hand gestures, nothing. Right. But they were good. CBS was good with us. They told us that they would, they would not... Uh, only coming out of timeouts. So I'm thinking this, they told us they would only film us when they came out of timeouts. Yeah. But they would film us at the end of the game. Right. So they kind of put us on on alert to, to, right. to kind of help us a little bit, which I thought was you know very, very good of them. Just for the record, Jackie confirmed to me that it was not her who switched off the lights. During the game, she thought it was Beyonce's performance that sucked all the electricity out of the stadium. But, you know, Jack's right. Everyone would have run into their every movement had the cameras been on them throughout the game. So it was probably good that nobody could watch and psychoanalyze their reaction when the Ravens jumped out to a huge lead to start the game. Quarterback Joe Flacco threw three touchdown passes in the first half, and John's Ravens went up by 15 points heading into halftime with a 21-6 lead. Caught! Bolden, touchdown, Ravens! And the Ravens strike first in Super Bowl 47. Flacco play action, throws, end zone, touchdown, Ravens! Dennis Pitta on the receiving end. Steps up in the pocket, 
Throwing deep. He's got Jacoby Jones open at the 10. Jones makes the catch. He's not touched. Bounces up. Spins out of one tackle. Running at the left hash mark. Lunges in. Touchdown, Raven. Things only got worse for Jim and the 49ers when Jacoby Jones returned the second half's opening kickoff for a Super Bowl record 108 yards. 30. He could. 20. No flag. He will. Go all the way, Jacoby Jones! There's no way mom and dad could have stood up and celebrated such an explosive start because how would that have looked in San Francisco? How would that have looked to Jim? And at the same time, they couldn't have been upset by the 49ers' slow start either. I mean, really, how are they supposed to act? Jack said they try to keep a poker face, right? Well, even though John said he was so proud of the way his parents handled themselves the entire week, he said when he went back and watched the game, he could see the pain on their faces after each and every single play. What they went through that week was just an incredible, enormous thing. I mean, and the thing I really love about it was they were able to, en- to enjoy it. I mean, they were rooting for both of us to win that game, even knowing probably in the back of their mind it would be better if they didn't have to deal with both of us being in the game because it was going to tear them apart in a sense. Mm-hmm. But they didn't allow it to tear them apart. They were able to be 100% committed to to both of us and not lose anything along the way, not split allegiances, not feel guilty about it. You know, I I think they enjoyed the week. They had fun. They were over at our hotel with our people and going out to dinner and and being in meetings. My dad was and my mom and and then going over to their hotel and being around that and seeing the family and entertaining. My mom and dad did such a great job of taking the pressure off us because we had so many family and friends in. They were always like, they were working. And yet, When I see clips of them in the press box during the game, then I see the pain on their faces Mm. because they they had to do everything they could not to react. I mean, one way or the other, like, and and how could you react? We make a big play. The kickoff return goes back at the beginning of the second half. And as excited as they are for them, they've got to be just as crushed for Jim. 100% excited for us, 100% crushed for Jim at the same time. Through the whole game, every single play, every single call. Everything that goes up or down one way or the other, they had to relive that that kind of conundrum every mm. second. There was a break in the game with some exchanges that Jack and Jackie never saw. John and Jim had this back and forth while the lights were out for 34 minutes during the blackout in the third quarter. Under pressure, and he's sacked back at the 40-yard line. Arthur yeah. Jones! Why is the clock stop? <laughs> All of the lights on the 49ers' side of the Superdome are out. You can only imagine the scramble officials are going through. Hey, I'm reminded of that Motown song. There ain't no mountain high enough, and there ain't no valley low enough, and there's nothing that's going to keep us from winning this championship. Not this and not nothing. We're going to win this game no matter how long it takes. The main complaint right now is the phones, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, but their headsets are out. And they're trying to make ours be out, too. <laughs> but the phones don't come on because one side phones go off in the regular season. You don't shut the other side off. So we're the visiting team. Our phones are intact. We should be able to, we should be able to keep our phones. It should go to Roger. And make it. Hey, is your coach allowed to be in their huddle? Is he allowed to be in their huddle? Hey! Hey! Why is he in the huddle? Why is he in the huddle? Get him out of the huddle! John was complaining to the officials that Jim was in the huddle on the field. Gonna let him waltz right into the huddle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just smile on his face. I'm not talking to my guys. 
but they're making progress. It's starting to come up. Yeah, they've got the grid coming back up. Yeah. <laughs> We're now ready to resume action. We're ready to resume the Super Bowl. The smile that comes on my face as I watch John with the huddle part. Yeah. Is he allowed to be in the huddle? I mean, I flash back. I mean, with numbing repetition of time after time after one way or the other. Are you going to let him get away with that? Right. You wouldn't let me get away with that. I mean, it's to, 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 to jack in myself. Got you, yes. Both sides. Because you guys the refs. Yeah, yes. we're like, we're the refs. Yes. How long are you going to let him do this? <laughs> he pulled this. The great one was lawnmowing. We had a, in, in Ann Arbor where we lived, we had a long sloping backyard. Right. And we had a little, a smaller front. It was flat. So there would be, they, they worked it out that we'll alternate. I'll do the front, you do the back this week, and then next week I'll do the, do the back and okay. you do the front. It'd be, it'd be like, he did the back last, I did the back last week, I did the front. No, you did the, and yes. then they would come. Tell him, I, I can't remember. <laughs> So I, everything has to be fair. Everything has to be fair. Yeah. And the first thing they want to do is go to some sort of an authority, whether it be officials or parents or somebody. To, they can't work it out. Right. Somebody's got to be the, the final voice in, in, in rectifying whatever the injustice right. is. Because <laughs> they'll never agree. No, they'll, they'll never, never agree. agree to disagree no. or anything like that. Okay, well, now that I know that this is your first time watching this, um, I understand this one's going to be a little bit harder. It's that final drive. Kaepernick takes the snap, going to roll to his right. Rolling, looking to the back of the end zone as Moss doesn't throw it, down, throws it incomplete. What? That's a Y'all going to let them tackle me like that? That was crazy, man. Kaepernick back, throws the ball in the quick in the flat, caught by Crabtree, jarred incomplete. And now the 49ers Super Bowl will come down to fourth down. So keep now, we win, Dean. Let's go. Let's go, baby. That's where you stand up at, right here. For a stadium that lacked electricity for 35 minutes, there's no shortage of Deep breath. Oh, I tell you one thing, I've never seen this play. I mean, I've seen it, but not like this. Preseason, all those OTAs. They blitzed. Incomplete, no flies on the taken a position I mean it's it's been years removed and so John and Jim can laugh about it more John has said that Jim still thinks that that was a, a PI um, have you ever have they ever come to you you said they always come to authority have they ever come to you and say dad what do you think was it a PI was it clean oh, when the game was over we went down to Jim's locker room and he was for about 20 minutes uh, he was just by himself he didn't want to see anybody and finally he bring send dad in and I went in and he had that hardball look. You know, you get that hardball look. You know, the eyes, mm -hmm. his lip was quivering. What'd you think? 
that last play, what'd you think? It was holding, wasn't it? And he was about this far away from me. And I thought to myself, I run through my mind, how do you answer that? Yeah. And you want to say, well, here's Jim, or Jim there. So Jim, you know, was past interference. You really, you took the short end of that one. But then you'd be demeaning John. Right. And if you, if you told him, Jim, they aren't, that stage of the game, officials are just reluctant to make a call. Then you're, you know, you're demeaning Jim, and he happened to be the one <laughs> that was far away from my nose. So, right. so I didn't say anything. I just, I just looked, and and he just said a couple more times. Well, what? And so I didn't say anything. And finally, I think he realized that maybe the situation that 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 I was in and, and he was in, so yeah. he let it go. So the, the question went unanswered as your question was. Okay, I, I respect that. I respect that. How was it? I noticed that um, on that fourth down play, you took a deep breath in. Was I forcing you to revisit some feelings that you hate, you didn't like that day? Yeah. And it wasn't the play. I mean, in yeah. football experience, all the years, I mean, you experience every kind of, almost every, there's always something out there you haven't seen, but not much. Right. But for that, it, it recalls that yeah. That's the first time I saw that last clip there. I mean, the, the one where they were both pushing at each other. The two players pushing each other that Jackie's referring to is Ravens cornerback Jimmy Smith and 49ers receiver Michael Crabtree. Both were engaged in hand fighting on the play. Smith had a quick grab and Crabtree had a quick push off. Smith fell down in the end zone and then the pass fell incomplete just a few inches away from Crabtree's outstretched hands. I didn't see that. I, I didn't see that one before. Um, that that was a tough one, you know. Yeah. That that was a that was a tough one, and um, you can't take you can't take the call back. That's why I had wished it had ended in a tie, but it didn't. <laughs> so it's it's. Okay. But in the end, I don't know what the official saw. I think he saw. I think he thought the ball was overthrown. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he thought. But it kind of looked like the ball was overthrown. Mm -hmm. But then the 49ers are going to think uh, he was held. But in that last clip, offense and defense was, offense was pushing defense off. And they were both going back and forth. They were both going yeah. back and forth. So how, I don't know how to agree or disagree with an official, but that's a hard call. It's a hard call. So it is, it is what it is. Yeah. That's the only thing you can say. It is what it is. And Yeah. Jack told me that um, after the game, he, um, it was maybe 20 minutes or so later that he went into the 49ers locker room. And he said that John and Jim, whenever they disagreed, they'd always go to a, a higher authority to kind of like, you know, be the referee. And Jim had asked Jack, you know, what did you think? Do you think it was a holding? Did Jim ever ask you that? No. He never did. No, because I don't Good. think... He, That's a tough position to be put in. No, he <laughs> yeah. probably doesn't think I know enough about it anyway. So, <laughs> But I went back but and... you do. 
I, I watched that clip over and over and over and over again whenever they showed it. And I, I guess I always felt in looking at it that the ball had been overthrown. Mm. I, so he wouldn't have had a chance anyway? In my own mind. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. And that last clip, I never, I didn't see that they were both... Tussling. Tussling. Does that change things for you? Now that I don't know. That? No, 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 not really, because in a way, they were both wrong. They were both interfering with each other. So how do you call that? Anyway, it was a tough, it was a tough ending. Yeah. That was a very tough ending. And um, Would it have been I, better if there was a blowout? Or did you like, knowing that it couldn't end in a tie, obviously that's your ideal. Well, I think... Do you like that it was close? I don't know. I, I don't know what I liked. I wasn't thinking about that at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I think that in, what, in remembering the game, I think in the second half that there were... Yeah, there were a lot of bad calls against the Ravens, and that helped then the 49ers catch up, right? Mm -hmm. And that made the game closer, which, of course, the NFL loves that, right? Yes. yes. They love that, and so does television because, wow, nobody's turning the set off. That's right. You know, so uh, then, then my little mind starts working. Well, is this all planned with the officials? <laughs> Did you think the blackout played in the 49ers' favor? Oh, I... Since they were so far behind, the Ravens had the momentum that maybe... I don't know. I just think that, you know, you can go back and forth on all of that, but the official called it, and what can you do? You can go back and forth over all you want to, and I, um, I knew how Jim felt. I definitely knew how he felt and that it would be hard for him. And it would have been hard for John, too, had it been on the other foot. After that Ravens' final defensive series, stopping the 49ers three times from the five-yard line and the referees debated no call, the game was essentially over. The Ravens drained the clock to just four seconds with a few rushing attempts and an intentional safety. And after Baltimore tackled 49ers returner Ted Ginn Jr., on the ensuing kickoff, the Ravens were officially crowned Super Bowl champions of the world. And while John was 100% happy that he and the Ravens won, the scene on the sideline for him wasn't like most coaches who get a Gatorade bath and go crazy with other coaches and players. Instead of an exuberant celebration, John made his way to midfield to face his brother. It is tackled! The Baltimore Ravens are Super Bowl champions! I hadn't been walking across since my brother. It's not just another coach. So, you know, uh, a little bit of empathy goes a long way, and it was pretty easy for me to put myself in his shoes in that moment, you know, for a moment. Congratulations! Oh, I love you. Congratulations. Okay. Remember how Jim has a history of eventful handshakes? Well, while it wasn't caught on camera... This one was no less eventful. John later told what happened during the banquet when he was inducted into the Cradle of Coaches in 2014. 
I've always been proud of Jim. I mean, I've always, always been excited about his success and just seeing what he's been able to accomplish and everything else. I've always wanted to see him do well, except one time. And so we had a chance to talk to the team today, and we are talking about the, the season and the year and all that. And, and Jim, I see Jim back there whispering to Dad, I know where this is going. <laughs> I can see what's about to happen here. So, and it didn't. I, I was gracious and I didn't say anything, but now I'm going to. Now I'm going to say something. <laughs> so we get to the end of the game, and, and it's a miraculous victory for the Ravens. And they, they make an unbelievable comeback. I mean, that's what Jim Harbaugh coach team is all about after the lights came back on. <laughs> and, uh, but they come roaring back like we knew they would. And, you know, we find a way to get them stopped on the goal line, get them stopped on the kickoff. And, and there's a, a split second there where you just you realize for a moment that uh, your team is the world champions. You have won the Super Bowl. And that's, that's an exhilarating thing, you know. And, and I've noticed over the years that coaches get picked up on the shoulders and they get carried off and they do this, you know, or they, or they get Gatorade thrown on the back of their... That didn't happen for me, you know. I didn't understand it. But I realized I had to go. I had to go across the field and shake the other coach's hand. But it was my brother, you know. And, and that's that's a little different, you know. That's a little tougher, um, because at the same time you feel that great feeling, you know, you feel bad for your brother. Not as bad as that I felt for myself if we'd have lost, <laughs> but I did feel bad. So I go over there, and, and you notice when Jim said the great things he said, we we had a chance to get a little hug, right? Never told this story publicly, but I'm going to tell it now. So we walk. We walk. Uh, I walk across the field and I go to shake his hand, and, and he's a big strapping guy, you know. Shake his hand, I look at him, I'm gonna kind of, you know, give him a little, a little man hug, you know, a little, little bro hug, and say congratulations. And, and David, you can stand up here and I can subscribe. You be me, going for left-handed hug. And Jim steps in just like that. <laughs> I didn't bounce like that though, David. He steps in just like that and he says, "Don't be no hug." <laughs> I was reminded that when I saw the picture up there, did you see it? And it's the picture, I'm like this, I'm like. <laughs> okay. After the hug, and after Jim disappeared from the field, the confetti continued to fall and the Ravens were presented with the Lombardi Trophy. Mom and Dad made their way down from their seats to celebrate. And with this next clip, you already heard Jackie's reaction to it last week. It's the one where she said she was proud of John because he had traveled such a long path in Jim's shadow. Well, now, let's get Jack's reaction. When it was all said and done, they felt happy and they felt sad at the same time. We made this all happen, Mom, for both of us. There are no losers. There are no losers. losers. I don't think Jackie's ever seen that. Nobody. I don't even remember saying that, doing that. No one remember, don't remember. I have no recollection of that whatsoever, of any of that. That's crazy. Of that. Yeah. Because the emotions we felt were so conflicted or convoluted or whatever right. whatever word we, I mean, I was just numb. I'm numb. Numb. I see that. I, it's like some other, somebody else standing there. Just, it must be odd just to watch yourself do it if you don't even remember doing I have it. No, I have no recollection. It was just, I had that feeling. I can, I understand the feeling I felt. But right. at that moment, I don't, I remember going down on the field. I remember seeing Ingrid and Allison and John. I don't remember those words. Mm. 
I don't remember that, the three of us being there together and sharing that moment. I told Jack, because uh, we were still up in the box, I said, we have to get down to the field, Jack Johns looking around he I think he was looking for us and we were the only two left in the box because the commissioner had come in earlier like 10 minutes before the game was over and says we're all going down on the field and we said no because we're watching the game you know so they had all left so pretty soon there's no way for us to get down there so Governor Christie was up there I saw Chris Christie's wife was sitting next to you there yes. in that picture, yeah. Yes, and, and he said to his guys, you take them down there. So they got us down there, and then we were able to, you know, enjoy that moment with John because he deserved to have that moment enjoyed mm-hmm. and to be joyful with him. You know, I, that's how I felt. I felt... Yeah, he deserved, this was huge for him and the Ravens, Mm -hmm. you know, and as it would have been huge for Jim and the 49ers had they won, Mm -hmm. you know, but you cannot not be joyful with the person who won at the time. Mm -hmm. What, um, that's your interaction with John. Did you have any interaction with Jim after the game? Um... Not well. When we got to the locker room, we waited for quite a while, and then finally Jack went in. You know, I would never go in anyway, but and he went in, and and then it was like eleven o'clock at night then, I think, and so we had no way back. So we got on the Forty Nine er bus, <clears throat> and. Uh, We got on the bus, and Jack and I sat on this side of the bus, and then Jim came on and sat on that side one row ahead of us, and we didn't say anything. You know, it's like, I mean, I've been through it so many times. When you lose, you can't, there's nothing to say after you lose. There just isn't, you know. But the heartfelt moment for me was when um, Jimmy got on the bus then. Jimmy is the second of Jim's seven children. He was about 16 years old at the time. And came and sat down next to Jim and laid his head on Jim's shoulder and Jim put his arm around Jimmy. And I, I was just said, this is what this is what this whole game's about to myself. And we were getting off the bus, and Jim, I, I held him back a minute, and I said, Jim, who has it better than you right now that your son put his head on your shoulder and your arm around him? This is what this game is all about, Jim. And he, he just looked at me, you know, and he said, you're right. Hmm. You know, it's that to me that, I mean, the whole thing, the whole week, the whole season uh, for me was, this is all about family. And in the end, 
What does it come down to? It comes down to your family. Right. I mean, what a culmination for both of them and, and the biggest game in the world. In the world. Really. Yeah. You know, and here they are. And, and they, I think I also said to them, and I said how proud I was of, of him, Jim, that he brought his team to the pinnacle. It's right? incredible. I said, you've got to be happy for your team. Yeah. You've got to be happy for that success. Yeah. I also talked to Sister Joni to get her Super Bowl experience, but she said she didn't remember a whole lot because she and her family were exhausted. Her husband, Tom Crean, was the University of Indiana's head basketball coach at the time. And she said the Saturday night before the Super Bowl, Indiana beat Michigan to become the number one ranked team in the country. The game ended super late at night, so they only got a few hours of sleep before they caught their flights to New Orleans the next morning. She caught up with mom and dad from there and stayed by their side for most of the day. It was hard. It was a hard deal. You know, you you can't even express how difficult emotionally it was. And the way it came down, too. Oh, right. At first, you're like, oh, I don't want Jim to lose, you know, because what was it? The, um, the Ravens were up so much. And you're like, oh, no. And then you're like, oh, my gosh. John could lose on a last-second touchdown? That'd be awful. It was like that. You were just torn like that. Just back and forth. You, you were able to kind of go to the exuberant locker room and see the press conference and, you know, be excited for John and Ingrid and Allison and feel that just total excitement for all of that. And it's kind of like, okay, you know, and then you go to the other locker room and just feel exactly where Jim was, exactly where we all are after losses. But then losing that game, you know, you want to question everything. You're going back over it. And um, I think that, you you know, you weren't over there going, oh, my God, John was so happy and we're so happy for them. And, you know, right. You didn't do that. You were just able to be present at that moment in that time. After the game and after the trophy presentation and after all the team buses left the Superdome, then the Ravens had a huge Super Bowl party. And I was there with the entire organization from the players to the coaches to front office executives and low-level employees like myself. We all celebrated together. And Mary J. Blige entertained everyone up on stage. Then Ray Lewis got up there to teach her how to do his signature squirrel dance. It was an amazing amazing night. I saw John there. He was celebrating and talking with everybody. He also stuck close to his wife, Ingrid, and his daughter, Allison. He had his arm around that little girl for much of the night. But the rest of the family, Jack, Jackie, and Joni and her family, were nowhere to be found at the party. And I knew, I knew they were going to be at the Super Bowl party. You know, there was no way. It didn't even cross my mind because they were going to have to be with Jim. Right. But they did get down there and they were able for, you know, a half hour, maybe 20 minutes, however long it was that they went through the celebration and all that, that they were fully excited, jacked up out of their mind about the victory for us. And you could see it on their faces and the joy. It wasn't like they were disappointed. They were fully oh, yeah. into it that we won. And then to be able to like, OK, then walk away from that and to, to, to write in a, just like that in a split seconds notice, you know, change and and be fully immersed in the other side of that, the defeat, right. you know, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, like the old ABC show, Wide World of Sports. 
I mean, it's really true. Yeah. You know, and they lived it, I think, like nobody else could. I asked Jack what they were doing while the Ravens party was going on. I don't remember seeing you there. Did you go to gym? No, we didn't go either place. What did you do? Just walked. We just walked around New Orleans with Tom and Joni and the kids. The game was over, and we were up watching the game, and the confetti's coming, and the band's playing, and they're bringing out the, the whatever they bring out there for, to, for the presentation. And my wife and I are just sitting and looking at each other, and we're just, I mean, it had like no feeling I'd ever had in, in coaching before. Mm. You know, we had won games, and we had lost games, and but I never had that feeling. I th- I'm looking at my wife, and I'm thinking, didn't say it, but I'm thinking to myself, John has just won maybe one of the greatest prizes in all of all of sport. Yeah. And why why don't we feel differently? So we went down and met with John. Then we went over and met with Jim, and we didn't go to either place. We just walked with Tom and Joni and her kids. We just walked around New Orleans, and Tom got a text message from. Uh, Doc Rivers, who was coaching the Boston Celtics at the time. Right. And he texted Tom and he said, I can only imagine how your in-laws feel. And Tom said, well, maybe you could explain it to them because we're having a difficult time. They're, they're having a difficult time. Right. And he, here's what he said. A parent can only be as happy as their unhappiest child. Mm. And it all made sense. We had this great, great feeling for John, but you realize there was another son, another child that was feeling pain and hurt, having experienced both the winning with John and mm-hmm. the losing with, with Jim. It left us convoluted. Is there a word like that? Conflicted, convoluted, Conflicted. yeah. But we were, we were just, and then when, once we realized that, then we, could, then we took joy and, uh. and felt and talked to John then and, and, and understand why we felt the way we did. You know, it was funny. I was, uh, one of my favorite quotes from John happened actually a couple weeks ago at training camp. And what had happened is a um, reporter asked him when we were about to have um, a stadium practice. And it's one of those that you really want the fans to get into. So a reporter said, so John, with this practice coming up, he said something like, is this all about the fans or are you still trying to improve your football team? And then John says, love this. He goes, life is not a pie chart, Jerry. This can be about both 100% about the fans and 100% about improving the team. It's not a pie chart. You, you don't have to give a certain percentage to the fans and a certain percentage here. Would, would you liken that to, to, to John and Jen that you didn't, you can be 100% happy for John in this pie chart, yeah. but there can be a whole other pie chart that, where you're, you're you, filled you, for Jim. You have just put it together the way I have never been able to put it together. I mean, that is so, so perfect. You can have it both ways. Yeah. And isn't life that? We share those emotions both ways. Sometimes they happen in the same day. Sometimes they happen in the same game. Right. But you experience the, the ultimate high. Yeah. And you experience the, the, the ultimate low. Wow. And you, and you get both of them. That's, and you can have it at the same time. And you time. can have them. And it's not wrong. Right. It's, not, it's okay. I don't, I don't feel guilty right. about either emotion. Right. Life is not a pie chart. Yeah, there you go. John, that's going to become mine. <laughs> we'll just give Don't it share to you. that. Just keep that to me. <laughs> okay. Will do. That same pie chart analogy ring true for Jim. That is uh, exactly how I would describe it. As was 100%. Um, tough loss. Um, 100% proud of our team, the way they they fought back in that game, and and also 100% proud of my brother 
and happy for his success and and 100% truly happy that it that it happened to that that experience happened to our family. Well, there it is. The first family to ever have brothers face off as head coaches in the Super Bowl. How they dealt with it, all the emotions that came with it, all of it. And years removed, they still talk about their experiences often. Not surprisingly, John and Jim still debate the officiating, but more than anything, they reminisce and are still astonished that it even ever happened. They know how rare it was. Being the first, the Harbaugh's had to figure out how to deal with it on the fly. There was no blueprint, but there is now. The Harbaugh's created it, even though it's very, very unlikely that anybody will ever need that blueprint ever again. Unless... I think we're both amazed by that that it even happened. We're kind of amazed by the fact that, I mean, when it was happening, it was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and, And then when it happened, I mean, you know... Even when it happened, it was just surreal. It was kind of like, you know, this is this even really happening? This is never going to happen again, unless it's us again, you know? <laughs> so maybe we'll make it happen again sometime. Next time on Man of the Crowd, the final episode of the season and the legacies that John and Jim will leave behind. What do you think has been his legacy so far? Number one, winning. John, a couple of years ago, I had the audacity to say that I thought you had a chance to be the next Chuck Knoll. Is that even, is that realistic today? Could he do that? Well, he could definitely stay here 23 years. Those relationships are everything. Steve Bashotti is brilliant. I was just like, oh my God, this guy gets it. Well, Ozzy, it's not like we, we like stay in our own lanes. We drive in each other's lanes all the time. We never throw a trump card on the table. Do you think that Harbaugh is the best coach in franchise history? Oh, without a doubt. Active coaches are definitely in the top five. He will not let up. And if by chance he noticed himself letting up, he would walk away. crowd listeners, before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for such a strong showing of support for the podcast. We're very happy with how many of you there are out there listening, and we'd love to have even more people find us. So please consider rating the podcast and writing a review. The more subscribers and positive ratings Man of the Crowd gets, the more others will be able to find it. Also, don't forget to continually check back to our microsite at baltimoreravens.com backslash man of the crowd. It has content that complements what you're listening to here, including biographies of key interviews I've conducted, photo galleries, and more. And as always, I want to hear from you after each episode. If you have any comments or questions or whatever, hit me up on Twitter. My handle is at SG Ellison. I look forward to your feedback and would love to interact with you. Okay, that's it. That's all I've got. But I'll be back next week with the ninth and final episode. Loose ends and legacies. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring, like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite 
moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.